I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. I'm Raul, and I'm here with a catch wrestling practitioner, but also a amateur historian, right? Robbie Burroughs. Welcome, Robbie. Uh, thanks for having me, Raul. Okay, so um, he's been um, trying to learn catch wrestling for a while now, but then what we want to kind of talk about today is you are somewhat of an amateur historian where like you, you really try to seek out as much information about catch wrestling history as you can find, where you even go out and you try to locate um, all the, the, the oldest wrestling manuals you can. And, uh, and so, oh, by the way, you're in England, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm only, two, only the two hours from Wigan. Okay. Can you kind of tell us about like some of the interesting things you've found with regards to like some of these old books that, you've you've located well i think the oldest one i recently uh, bought a poster from 1904 of one of uh, hackenschmidt uh, matches george hackenschmidt uh, everyone's heard of that name yeah yeah it's st- still big even in the bodybuilding community right <laughs> yeah yeah he invented the hack sport and the bench press yeah yeah so um I kind of want to kind of talk about a little bit about the development of modern catch wrestling. I wouldn't necessarily say modern because it's over a hundred years old, right? Kind of the way we understand. Yeah, I think it goes back to 1840. So we're probably nearly, we're talking near enough 200 years ago. Yeah. And let's kind of talk about that because there, there were like early forms of, of what people were doing in the Lancashire region of England. Um, but it wasn't until like there was like a like a an attempt at cleaning up the sport to make it more presentable, right? That we have kind of what what we understand as catch wrestling, where it's like say like wrestling oriented, really about trying to get the pin. Uh, a lot of times uh, you c- can do a lot of these painful holds that nowadays we call them like submission holds, but a lot of times they were they were applied to get the person to roll over onto their back um, and also uh, like barring the, like the stranglehold. Like, so this actually started a long time ago. Is that your understanding? Yeah, it is. Uh, they, I think they, I w- we were talking before the stream, a guy called Evan Strangler Lewis, who was really big in Farmer Burns's day about like the 1850s and 60s, uh, he held on to an opponent, I think it was for three minutes, and the guy was dead. Like, it actually had to pull his body out of the ring because he held the strangle on long. Anybody who's ever been choked 
it doesn't take a lot. It only takes probably about 20 seconds for you to start losing consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I think we kind of discussed where there is more and more research coming out where uh, people, especially like say jujitsu athletes, since they, they don't bar the stranglehold and um, they, they practice every, you know, often, right? Uh, so then they, they are damaging um, their arteries that go up to their brains. And sometimes people have um, injuries that are so severe where they, they, they end up basically bleeding out into the brain cavity, kind of similar to a stroke, but it's, it'd be more actually similar to an aneurysm where they've damaged the, the different layers of the arteries so that they get weak and so then they can easily rupture. So, um, so there is that kind of whole safety aspect about um, the chokes and stuff. But even if we kind of try to put ourselves in the mindset of people in England and, and the United States in that time period, um, uh, they often didn't think it was like the best looking kind of way to win if you choke someone. But also even it doesn't demonstrate as much control because it seems like at that time, not only the Lancashire uh, wrestling, but a lot of the different regional wrestling styles, the way to win was to put someone on their back. Is that your understanding as well? Yeah, it was. But it was sometimes it was just quick fall. That it, was, it wasn't even two seconds. If you get as soon as your feet, your back went onto the ground, but it was all on grass, you see. It was never on like mats or anything. Even Riley said it used to, he said, in uh, the Easter, he used to say it used to all be done on fields. It used to come down. Sometimes it was on asphalt, like concrete, like a, because they used to mine the coal or whatever out of the pits. Dad, I'm uh, I'm on a live stream. I'm talking to somebody, Dad. Sorry, that was my father. I apologise. Uh, no problem. Continue. What were you saying? So they. Um, uh huh. I've lost my, uh, but I've lost my train of thought now. But uh, I was saying about Riley used to say, used to be all done on fields, used to be done atop of pubs and allotments anywhere they could really, but they kept getting moved on. If you know what I mean, because it, it was sort of not illegal, but uh, they didn't want it. If you know what I mean, so he had to, so so he uh, made his own gym or whatever, but he wasn't. He wasn't really the, for, they don't really go into that much detail in the hold not taken catch, you know, the documentary into who taught him. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It only tell, it doesn't tell you about any of the guys like Tom Connors, you know, uh, people like that. A guy who taught him, Wino Katonin, who is a Finnish wrestler. That's famous. Everyone's heard his name, but a guy who was not known as much as a guy called uh, Pops Charnock, William Charnock, mm -hmm. who was a very famous coach as well. You can find references to him, who Billy Riley, they had a falling out, apparently, from what I can understand, if that makes sense. And it basically ran from Charnock's gym, which was seen as the better gym. Uh, because uh, he trained with the he trained the famous Belshaw brothers who were very notorious in the 50s and early 60s if you catch my meaning yeah that yes. wasn't a pun by the way it was that the if you get what i mean it, they 
he ran William Charnock uh, was a guy of Irish descent but if you look at Wigan it's only 20 miles from Liverpool and Liverpool has a lot of Irish immigrants mm-hmm. a lot. yeah that, that was one thing like uh, this is kind of a side note but um, I know or like I've seen some comments um, online where I think maybe some people who live in, in the region in the Lancashire region they uh, they, they tried to deny some of the Irish um, uh, influence in that area. But, I mean, it's, like, really hard to deny. Like you said, it's, like, geographically, it's not that far away. And, you know, that, you know, Liverpool is a port city. So uh, they... It was they the port, actually, to the United States. So that was where you used to have to go in the north to get a boat over. And it took, like, two weeks where they used wow. to have the old steamboats. Wow, wow. Geographically, that's kind of, that's very interesting because, yeah, it seems a little bit out of the way because it's more of a northern city and you might have more of the population in the southern uh, London area, right? So then then many people would have to travel all the way up to Liverpool and then take a boat. But Yeah, it's fascinating. And they they even have the old embassy there. Like the old U.S. embassy, it's still there, but it's not an embassy, obviously, anymore, because then planes came in and made boats obsolete, obviously. Yeah. So is that where the Beatles played? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> I think no, that was a bit way before, 40 years before their time. They were in the early 60s, so, but uh, my, uh, but the Beatles. But uh, the, a lot of Irish immigrants as well. If, uh, they don't like to deny it, but my uh, grandfather, who passed away about five years ago, used to tell me in the biggest cities, you know, he used to work up in the snow and the cold putting up telephone poles and uh, there were no safety nets to anything. And he yeah. said a lot of the northerner, not a lot of the northerners, but a lot of the Irish were treated terribly. Like in the main cities, you know, from segregation, it used to say not just obviously there were segre- it wasn't there wasn't really segregation in the UK like there was in America if you know what I mean mm-hmm. but you, you wouldn't you were you wouldn't have like segregated you know what I mean where they used to have you know what I'm talking about anyway about segregated but yeah, like uh, hotels in the mm-hmm. 60s in the early 60s saying no no black people mm-hmm. and no Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the thing like no Irish people were allowed in to stay in a hotel. It was mainly in the cities, if you know what I mean, where they were like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that might be like some of that history, or some people might still be in that that mindset where it's where I've seen some of these comments where they're trying to deny the Irish influence. But anyway, I think that's kind of a we can let's talk back or let's go back to talking yeah. about uh, catch wrestling. So. Yeah, I mean, it, the other thing I kind of want to touch on is just how old it is. I mean, you, you said that you've been able to find some references uh, that go back a few hundred years. Is that correct? Going back to the 1600s, even. Like, going yeah. back for 380, 400 years. Even that Ruslan, who I mentioned uh, before the live stream, he, were, he even found references because in we started... Re- writing everything down if you know what i mean there's not newspaper clippings but there's obviously books there's also a fair uh, they used to the earliest manual that i can find 
on catch wrestling had fencing techniques you know fencing what they do in the olympics with the swords and everything but a lot of it was shown standing throws like re- what's incorporated you know like the cross butter the half not the half ouch the uh flying mayor you know what i'm uh, the flying mayor the hank which mm-hmm. is another but a lot of these throws and even the submissions they were called chips I don't know why they called it that, but a lot of it, they called it chips. I can see references to a lot of the throws and thing. I think it was in sort of response, you know, Lancashire, all these variational styles to incorporate it into one, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was like there were were different regionals, uh, different regional styles response to what was happening in the Lancashire region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of, they amalgamated it all, all these techniques, but... Britain had the biggest empire the world had ever seen at one time. If it, they said, if it, uh, the population of the British Empire now would be like 2.5 billion people. If you yeah. took all, well, that's crazy, isn't it? You know what yeah. I mean? Now, yeah, but they, a lot, a lot of these places, they brought things with them. Do you know what I mean? You had lots of interactions with different cultures, so they probably incorporated lots of other stuff into the wrestling. You know, like catch wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and then I think that's the perfect segue to like who were besides say we mentioned Irish, but there were other people who actually migrated into that region that really helped to form uh, what we know as catch wrestling today. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Like the yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. What you mean, like other cultures besides Irish and English, or the what uh, was the. the Question. The Flemish, Sorry. Yeah, the Flemish uh, influence in catch wrestling? Yeah, well, sort of the 1700s, 1600s, they had Flemish weavers because the cotton and wool trade were really big in um, Lancashire. That was one of the main places, you know, the woolen trade, like woolen mills, if you know what I mean, like cotton mills, they used to call them, where they used yeah. to make all these things. And that uh, uh, they brought stuff over Flemish weavers from Belgium. That's there was no Belgium back then, though. That that was that it was all just called Holland mm-hmm. historically. But the Flemish came over to basically help them to learn how to weave, and they must have brought techniques over with them. If that makes sense, like they influenced it as well. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't say there since their their proximity. I think even to some of what was going on in the continental Europe uh, and also um, uh, Germany in particular. Um, so then they kind of brought what they understood as grappling or wrestling. And then that became like amalgamated into Lancashire wrestling. Well, if you uh, look at it historically, you know, well, uh, the Dutch came here. People forget that. There's a lot of uh, the, there was a revolution 1690 where the actual William of Orange, you ever heard of Orange Men and Irish, you know, these religious tents, you ever heard the heard of them? They're called the Orange Men. They have them in mm-hmm. Ireland, in Glasgow, where they have these, it's like Protestants versus Catholics and all that. I'm not oh. going to get into that, but even mm-hmm. the Dutch came over to the UK and tried to conquer it at one stage. So it's a, uh, the, they probably brought stuff with them and also the Hanovers, you know, the Hanoverian, like the, the yeah. German dynasty. That's yeah, probably, yeah. They probably brought stuff over with them as well, you know, different techniques. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so so with all the stuff we kind of have been talking about, um, that say one thing that uh, I, I've seen kind of floating around the internet was, uh, oh, that this was developed by the British Navy, or catch wrestling was developed by the British Navy, but uh, a lot of the historical evidence doesn't corroborate that. Is that your understanding as well? Yeah, yeah, I completely uh, like agree with that, Raoul. That a lot of the uh, the navy, the navy, uh, never invented uh, British catch wrestling. Like going back to the point before, Britain had a massive empire, so you had different people from all over incorporating different, you know, influences into the British style of wrestling, which is known as catch as catch can. Mm-hmm. If you not, there were interactions with different cultures like India, Africa. Because if you look at a lot of the African wrestling, which they do now in Senegal, and mm-hmm. uh, they also Dambi in Nigeria and places like that, because they they were ruled by the British as well. Mm-hmm. They probably brought stuff over with. You know what I mean? Wrestling is wrestling, if you know what I mean. But I'm I'm saying historically, they. Uh, the Britons had massive empires that spread across the world. So there's influences in our art, if you get what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And, but, but I think I want people to also to understand is that they were also, <clears throat> like, there's a reason why it's called Lancashire wrestling, right? I mean... It originated uh, like, in Lancashire, yeah. Yes, yes. So, uh, and so then what, what that also implies is that there are other types of wrestling for other regions uh, in England, or you know, in in that well, in that whole in, in that mix in the United Dad. Kingdom. Sorry, I was just my father. See you later, Dad. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I was no just problem. saying to my father. No problem, no problem. So th- that's also the other point that I kind of wanted to touch on is that there were several styles of grappling uh, all over England. Yeah, um, so uh, that's that's why um, th- we have different names, and that's why you, you can't necessarily say that oh, this was or catch wrestling because nowadays we call it catch wrestling. But even in Japan, uh, when they were when they were introducing some of the the catch wrestling influence pro wrestling, um, I know I remember Osamu Matsunami. He told me that he thought it was called Lancashire wrestling because that's how they that's how it was built in a lot of the. The wrestling posters and all that so um that was one of the first um like understand or like the first names that he associated with catch wrestling and so i think um, even though there's all these different types of people that that you know pass through that region i think ultimately it is a style that is unique to that region and therefore uh when you when we say catch wrestling it is still like this lancashire uh melting pot kind of style but it's not necessarily like something that was developed by a navy. And also, the other thing is that like England had different regional styles that um, were all popular too. They had, they had, uh, you know, going into the regional styles in England. They had not just Lancashire in in uh, Cumberland, which is north of Lancashire, the county right next to Lancashire, called Cumberland Wrestling. They had Westmoreland Wrestling. They had. Scottish backhold, which was the national wrestling style in Scotland. You had the Cornish, Cornish mm-hmm. wrestling, the jacket wrestling they used to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you had Devonshire wrestling. You had 
the loads of different, you know, variation, variational styles. I know that Henry the Ape was a really massive fan of Cornish wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think uh, people should try to understand that because also in the United States, we had different uh, style, original styles of grappling or the way things were done. So it wasn't like... Uh, like catch wrestling was the only thing or, or you know, it's, it's just things kind of uh, grew in popularity. There's different trends and stuff. And some some styles kind of got uh, absorbed or some of the main techniques of certain styles kind of got absorbed into other styles and stuff. So uh, I kind of want people to understand that there's uh, these differences and, uh, you know, catch wrestling still is unique. It's not just doing whatever you want, because that's the other thing that I kind of see yeah. a lot. Or they, I'm sure you said anything too, goes. Online. I think it's anything goes sort of style, but it isn't though. That's what even before I started, you know, training up at the snake pit, I tried to find as much as uh, information as I could. It, when I like something, I find out everything about it. You know, like the movements. I try to incorporate movements because everything's based on you know movement and things like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, but then say like talking about those movements, it's like that can kind of tell you almost like a, if you think of it as like the language, right? So like different languages have different ways of saying things, and so the movements of catch wrestling are kind of a, its language, and its language of the authentic catch wrestling's language is different from what you see even in old uh, jujitsu manuals. I think someone was trying to ask me about. Uh, like, oh, it, the, the Japanese really had a heavy, heavy influence on catch wrestling. But when you look at a lot of these old jujitsu books, um, they're not doing like these uh, switches. There's different types of sit outs and stuff. Like, it's not, it, the language is still, the language of the movement is still different. And so, yeah, Lancashire is still like its own unique language. And just like any other like actual spoken language, I mean, yeah, they have different regional influences where you can kind of trace back when a certain culture kind of came into the area and maybe influenced a little bit, but they're still kind of like that core root that has like these stems and branches and stuff. And is that kind of what you understand it to be as well? Or? Yeah, 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 exactly that, exactly. Yeah, so anyway, I guess that's kind of one of the main things that I wanted to, uh, like kind of point out right so i'm glad that yeah. you can kind of elaborate on on that as well and then also too since we kind of just touched on some of the stranglehold stuff um yeah there was some earlier kind of like not earlier but i mean like very way earlier right like early 1800s uh where there was a little bit more of kind of like what lancashire fighting where they didn't necessarily uh punch each other but they still kind of kicked and uh stranglehold was allowed right um but yeah. again in our like oh do you want to kind of talk about how it's like that we kind of went from that to what both frank gotch and uh, farmer burns called like the code of catch wrestling where strangles were barred and still have this heavy influence on the pin would you like to talk about that yeah 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 but uh, I'd say I think they understood, you know, about catch wrestling. They understood what it was really about. I've heard some not nice things about, you know, Frank Gotch. He was quite a dirty wrestler. I'm not trying to 
tarnish whatever he did but he uh, he a lot of the times he would do like uh, he would go and attack the leg do you know what i mean trying to injure his opponent like uh, i think george hackenschmidt he had a horrible time because he wasn't used to the toe holds do you know what i mean he 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 actually he never lived in the united states he spent a lot of time in the uk that's where he primarily lived mm-hmm. do you know what i mean he yeah i think it he was Latvian or Estonian. I watched a really good uh, documentary about George Hackenschmidt uh, called by Rogue. It's called Rogue is the Rogue Legends of Strength, where oh. it goes into about his life and where he came from. But he, he spent a lot of time in London, it, a lot of time there. Yeah, so they weren't necessarily uh, uh, going for toeholds as much, right? So he wasn't oh, so... No. No, he wasn't used to it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because he kept attacking his legs, and I think he broke his hip. Hackenschmidt. He had a four-year layoff. They didn't. I think uh, what was it? They fought. They fought 1908, and they didn't fight again till 1913. And he was never the same after Frank mm. Gotch had gotten through him. If you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. So that was, and then we can see kind of like that's kind of a regional difference. Uh, between the United States and maybe Britain at that time. Uh, but still, I think we, like that code was there where it was like, I mean, ultimately, if you, if you, if you see their, their books or, or even quite often like the toehold that Frank Gotch used, a lot of times he would uh, get the hold and like kind of raise the person or their legs off the ground so that they would have to uh, get, let their shoulders touch the mat. For, for the pin. Yeah, they tried to roll over and use momentum. Like he had, he'd had the, his signature toe hold was to grab the toe, but also lift it. You know, do you know what I mean? Uh, like you said, but the person, the only thing they can do is to try and sort of relieve the tension on their on their heel or whatever on the, on their because that's what it is. You know, toe hold it. it it's bloody it's bloody painful. Yeah. that's quite a British, British idiom bloody but it's horrible like I try to you try roll over but you end on your back and you get pinned so it's setting you up for something else it's like a fish it's like a fisherman to a hook if you're not I mean you're doing something to make the other guy think that you're going to do that but then you do something else like it's yeah. like chess yeah yeah totally totally Cool. So, um, is there any other thing that um, you find interesting in catch wrestling history? Uh, well, I'd say the reason why I'm so interested in it is because you know my country. It's it, it's got something like familial bond. I've mentioned catch wrestling to people in the police force in the UK. Nobody's heard of it. If you go back a hundred years from now, you know, 1919, 1920, it was popular, one of the, the most popular sport in Brit- Britain, if you know what I mean, at that time. It was really, it was really taken off about, I'd say, 1910 to sort of 1920. That was when you had like sort of 1908, but the First World War destroyed, did a lot of damage, you know, to culture, not just mm. in the UK, but in Europe. It, mm-hmm. it it wiped a lot of a generation of young men at, at, off the face of the earth and a, and it and it blurred history if you see what I mean yeah if that right. becomes uh, if that makes sense to you but you know uh, especially with Frank Gotch I think uh, 
he was the he was a what they call there's a old catch wrestling term a ripper do you know what i mean by a ripper that that's it people think oh is that not a serial killer you know like jack the ripper but it's like an old, old yeah go ahead and explain it for people who don't know who might be uh, it's an old victorian term like an old archaic term for something somebody who can break something rip ripper means to tear something do you know what i mean you've heard you've heard that expression to rip something like where you rip up a piece of paper it's a bit like that somebody who knew what all the submission holds was a shooter and knew the hooks <clears throat> or whatever but this person a ripper was somebody who didn't just go for the pin somebody if they even if they'd lost you know been pinned or whatever as long as they damaged their opponent hurt their opponent just as bad or worse they consider it a job done which is really nasty <laughs> I know it, people think, oh, that's it. That sounds violent to me. But there, there are lots of just because the strangle is barred doesn't mean all the joint lo locks, the toe holds, you know, you know, like uh, working with John, obviously, you know that from he's got that sort of. Well, he's from Farmer Burns's lineage, but he's got that sort of, you know, but more to go on submission than pin. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. I think that was a good explanation of it too. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely know what you're talking about. And that, that, that's the other thing that's that, that was a term rip to rip something. A ripper was somebody who broke something. You know what I mean? Frank Gotchy go and snap it. Like I said, he snapped his knee in half. Uh, George Hackenschmidt. He had to have a four-year layoff after that match. He was never the same again. He was scared of people. Not scared, but it had. An emotional effect on things as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, and that, that's the thing. I think, uh, um, like, so then going back to the whole choke thing, it's like people have to kind of stop thinking about it as necessarily the end all be all uh, of or the, the submission like, holds. Yeah, it's like uh, people think it's the only thing you can do, but but I, uh, I'm not going to talk about jujitsu as this catch wrestling, but. Uh, it did have influence. I'm not talking about judo, but a lot of uh, what the Gracie said was unverifiable. If you if you look at a lot of the moves that the Gracies did, you can find it. Even Kimura, the guy who beat Gracie, he he, he did he didn't learn from Frank Got Frank, no Carl Gotch, sorry. Mm -hmm. He learned from a guy called Ricky Kozen, who was a really famous Japanese wrestler during the 40s and 50s. He was sort of the first one to really study, you know, catch wrestling. If that made if that makes sense, that's the guy who taught Kimura. That makes you know a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Japanese pro wrestler, but he was not, he's the one who taught Kimura. But Kimura was a really for people who don't know what Kosen judo is. If you look at it, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, what the Gracies taught. He actually wrote a book on Nawaza because he was a really good Kosen judo player like collegiate kosen judo the collegiate form of uh, judo in college you know like america's college wrestling or whatever they had college version of judo if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah yeah totally totally kind of uh, more styles in uh, offered in our colleges in the united states like catch yeah. wrestling right but if you look at he actually wrote a book you can get it on budo.com it, mm -hmm. on uh, budo.com he actually wrote a book on nuanza and kosen judo and uh, you look at all the submissions it's it's identical to brazilian jiu-jitsu do you know what i mean i think 
when Helio got beaten, I think he studied with Kimura a bit over there. Because if you look, claiming that they, he, he was a judo, he wasn't just a judo player, but he understood both. Do you know what I mean? He didn't stand a chance, Helio, because uh, I've heard people say he was the best judo player ever. And that, uh, but he also went pro in Japan as part of Ricky, that guy I mentioned before, Ricky Dozen. I can't pronounce his name. I'm not very good with, with pronouncing Japanese names, obviously. But he's a really famous guy in the 50s. Uh, Ricky Co goes in his spirit. He, people credit Carl Gotch calling him the god of wrestling. But this guy was the one who sort of got the Japanese interested in catch wrestling. You know, like, uh, oh, oh, Mat is it Osamu Matsunami? I pronounced that right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, learned not just through Roy Wood, as people know, he learned from uh, Billy uh, Robinson as well in Japan like he studied over both with two of the best I think ever you know so far as teaching catch wrestling I'm saying Billy Robinson people for people who don't know in the jiu-jitsu who are interested in just submission grappling he taught Sakuraba but not many people know that you know in jiu-jitsu circles or whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 so, and also that, that history is kind of fading away nowadays right as, as yeah it is now. 20 years ago it's ancient history i was only one i was only two years of age when uh gracie uh hoist gracie for uh Sakuraba. but i think if you look at billy robinson the way he, in his pro matches where he cartwheel past somebody's guard well yeah. you know i need to pass somebody's somebody's line of defense he would it's identical like a, yeah, the, going back to movement, do you know what I mean? Like what he was doing was identical to Billy Robinson. And when I went up to the Wigan for the first time, I could tell what he was doing was the real stuff. You know, going to Roy Wood, who, who's excellent, I'd say. But he's seventy-seven now, and he's uh, I love uh, I love his style. But uh, there's not many people. Tommy Hayes, uh, who's a very famous, not famous, but you know, he helped. After Riley died, Billy Riley, he helped keep the snake pit open, if you see what I mean. Relocated yep. it, all the roof collapsed. Yeah, yeah. No, but he, he just recently passed as well. Yeah, Tommy uh, Hayes, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, which was a shame, to be honest, because he uh, apparently, you know, uh, the book that Stephen Greenfield wrote, you know, uh, Billy Riley, the man, the story, the legacy, he... Uh, he helped uh, Stephen uh, a lot of the information on Billy Riley. Uh, that's too bad. He was a savant. He was really into his history as well, from what I heard. Into mm. Captain. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and try to end it here. But uh, if yeah. anybody wants to comment or like uh, get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way to find you? Uh, just go on to my. Uh, instagram uh it's uh robbie loves catch and then underscore 98 that's the uh that's my uh instagram that's how most people get hold of me but uh that's it uh, i could well i i i'm good at finding you know people who uh if people were i'm not qualified or nowhere near qualified i've only probably been practicing catch now for about a year you know, properly training. I was always interested in it 
for a couple of years. But, you know, I was going through personal stuff at the time that you know, it wasn't advantageous, if you know what I mean, to go up there. I didn't really know who was, you know, who did catch and who wasn't because there's a lot of, like we said, there's a lot of misinformation around on the Internet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of chat with you today is because because there is uh, so much misinformation. So at least I want to try to at least put out a little ray of light. <laughs> um, right. so, yeah. So um, yeah, so then people want to contact you. Go ahead and find Robbie on Instagram, and we'll go ahead and end it here. But um, I know even with quarantine, it's it's tough to train. You know, sometimes I have to. Oh, uh, it is really is a lot a lot of the martial arts club even in uh british wrestling you know in the freestyle british wrestling association they suspended all competitions for the rest of this year yeah which ultimately is for the best but hopefully uh, we can get back to training normally and having being having the ability to have a wide variety of training partners i think that's one of the that's one of my favorite things you know meeting new people uh, grappling with them and all that but i guess i guess it'll have to wait yeah thank you for having me uh raul i really appreciate it i was surprised i uh, i didn't know uh, you know uh, when you asked me because uh, i'd never expect to be you know for people to ask me if you know what i mean i'm i'm happy just being a part of you know catch wrestling and trying to keep the history you know as clear as possible yeah well i, I saw that so I wanted to, to help give you a voice. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can talk. About, or if there's anything new that you find, uh, let me know. And we can probably try to share that with other people as well. Yeah. Take care. Thank you very much, Raul. I appreciate it for you taking your time to talk to me. Bye-bye. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye.